Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me. This is episode number 91, and today is a little bit of a, uh, do you say sad episode? Can I say sucky? Sucky episode, that works too. Yes, because we are saying goodbye to Vicar Nick. Nick has been a staple for us at the Family of God uh, for the, about the last year. And we're gonna we're gonna talk to him a little bit today, kind of about his vicarage experience. We're gonna be sure to get the follies in for the day, and then we're going to take a look at, if time permits, Psalm number eighty-five, a psalm of restoration, a psalm of distress, a psalm of questioning, and it's just a good one, I think, for all of us to listen to, and one that we can uh, one that we can all resonate with. So. Yeah, we are. Uh, this is Nick's. This is your last day. Uh, we haven't told Pastor Jim this, but uh, he's going to be with you on Sunday. <laughs> by the way, why? So it's not really his last day. <laughs> um, so that's going to be. I'm good. not paying you. That's fine. He's that's fine. volunteering. I'll on say his we own. already paid you. That's right. So um, I have a folly though. You do have a folly. Okay. Well, I, hold on. Folly of the week. Fire away. Hmm, was it yesterday? Somebody who was leaving us in the lurch says to me, "You've abandoned me." <laughs> I, I don't get speechless often, but that was pretty speechless. <laughs> yeah, you're. And he said, "I took that out of context." No, that's a literal quote. <laughs> I might not have the context, but that came out of your mouth, young man. Go ahead, defend what, yourself. What did you? I don't even remember what you said. Well. You said, oh, is it okay if you go to lunch with the Christ our Savior women alone while we go <laughs> with, oh, with yes, the other pastor? Right. And I'm like, you <laughs> guys right. are leaving me. Abandoning, abandoning me to, yes. the, to the women here. Oh, we didn't abandon you. We watched them drink like five bottles of wine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It wasn't five bottles. It was uh, enough so they were breaking stems <laughs> on glassware. Oh, that is true. <laughs> Church ladies. No, it was a good lunch. It was a good lunch. Good celebratory. This week has been this week has been all about you, Nick. We had a nice uh, nice luncheon at St. Stephen, and then we had a party get together at uh, Founders on Sunday night. And today you were taken out to party lunch. for me like that. What'd you say? Nobody ever threw a party like oh. me for that. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah. <laughs> You'll you'll have a wake when I'm dead, but yeah, I won't I won't get to have any of it. Well, you'll be with Jesus, and that's going to be that's. Oh, what? Okay, that's the best part. Can't argue with that. You're not going to be with Jesus. You're going to hell. You're going back to uh, back to the seminary. But we're excited for for what for what God's going to be doing in Nick's life, and who knows what'll happen? Maybe at this time next year he's re-recording with us again because he's here as a pastor. Who maybe he's a supporting congregation guy? Maybe who knows? Who knows? Uh, wait, you're going to be a pastor, and you can't handle three sixty-year-old church ladies? Just three? Oh, I'm abandoning, I'm abandoning you to these three. The seminary is going to send you into a meat grinder with like thirty of them. Yeah, there's no class on that either. <laughs> that's true oh my goodness all right so your 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 folly's not that follyless follicular that's i guess that's follicles anyway not that not too folly not too folly-ish so nick nick do you want to share your folly for the week because i am actually kind of a fan of your folly this week yeah so 
I don't know if we've talked about this person in the past. But we the, definitely have. Yeah, trans swimmer Leah Thomas, who is a biological male and claims to be female, and is on the swim team at, I believe it's the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, she was just recently nominated for the NCAA Woman of the Year Award. Yes, a man was nominated to be a Woman of the Year. Yes. Yes. So... And you were talking about how what some of the swimmers on the team's reaction was. Yeah, I saw a video. They had to conceal the identity of the the women they were interviewing because they were teammates of her, and they were talking about how you know when they win, it feels tainted because they have this unfair advantage. And well, and say the unfair advantage. Yeah, that he is a boy. That they have a man <laughs> that on, have a their man team. on their yes. women's team. Um. And then also got a foot taller than the rest of them, and has the arm span like two feet more than all of them. Yes. Yep, yep, that's it. And that um, the university actually hired a counselor, um, not for Leah Thomas, but for all the other women that had an issue with him being on the team and him using their locker room, because the issues with them, of course, not with the trans person who is uh, participating and using the locker room. But, yeah, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> however, oh, I however, you bought into it, because three times you said her. Just so you know, <laughs> I listen. That's right. I'm confused. <laughs> that, yeah, we're all confused. You need counseling. I do, yes. yeah. That's a good one. That one, that's a that's an incredibly ironic one. Uh, that Well, it's the same thing, wasn't it? Uh, after, oh my gosh, who did Bruce Jenner become? Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner. That's right. Uh, there was something along. He was he was nominated for something. It was something along the same line. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was very something very similar. I'm sure. I'm sure Bill will probably correct me. Uh, but mine was a little bit more serious. Um, mine's not funny. That that is actually comical and humorous, and I actually feel for the other women who are superior athletes that are. Uh, that may that may not get the award because they are uh, biologically women and not uh, theoretical. Yeah, theoretical women. Um, mine's a little bit. Yeah, mine's a little more serious. Uh, as many of you probably know, not too long ago um, was the George Floyd uh, police brutality uh, issue, which sparked a lot of racist conversation and. Black Lives Matter protesting was going along through the street, and there were people that were out there that were saying that Black Lives Matter, the organization, actually doesn't care about black lives. And people said, oh, that's just not right. You are a racist, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I present to you the case of a young man by the name of Tekel Sundberg. This was a young man who just recently was shot and killed by the police. This was after... He attempted to shoot and kill his his baby's mama and his two kids in their apartment. And there are bullet holes in the apartment walls. There are bullet holes in the uh, in the sink, in the door, in all of those things. And then when he finally went outside, there are bullet holes through the window. Uh, this is a man who, after the police was called, had a six-hour standoff, which ended in the police finally finally shooting him after he uh, had made multiple attempts to murder his baby mama and his two kids. And so after all this happened, there were multiple people who flooded the streets 
to protest police brutality, of which they were met by said victim, the mother of his two kids, and begged them to go away because what they were doing was they were glorifying their children's father who just tried to kill them. And the amount of of struggle that these kids were going to undergo after this, watching these people glorify, uh, glorify again, their, their dad trying to kill them. To which she was responded with, shut up, by these Black Lives Matter protesters. Keeping in mind that both of these children who were tried to be tried were attempted murdered were black, and the woman who was also a, a minority, I believe that she was a she was either Hispanic or she was she was a, a lighter skinned uh, African American woman, and just goes to show that Black Lives Matter really doesn't care about black lives um, because they don't know the whole story. It's just about condemning white police officers, and so. It was just, I, I, what as I'm watching this and you hear this woman making her case and pleading with these protesters to go away and leave them alone, and, and they're telling this woman to shut up, the woman who was victimized by this young man, um, so much to one of the mayors, a, a black mayor said, you know, this was a, this was a, a young man who was, who was proud and, and was smart and soft and this, that, and the other thing. And yet he's out there, he's out there trying to kill his baby mama and, her, and his two kids. Uh, it's just ridiculous. This whole Black Lives Matter thing has gotten out of context, or gotten out of hand, and uh, I'm, to be frank, I'm sick of it. And so that was, that's my folly of the week. It's not funny by any means. It's actual stupidity. And so if you continue to support Black Lives Matter, I feel bad for you and I pray for your repentance. And that's probably going to be the last that you hear of me on this podcast. So um, all that to say, uh, my folly is done. Reminds me of Whoopi Goldberg saying Americans will feel differently about gun violence when more African-Americans right. have guns. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What happened when he put a gun in the hand of this African-American man? Oh, he shot his own people, his own family. Right. Yes, uh, we, people are oh, idiots. Sorry. People are stupid. It's also the same people that. By the so, way, I don't know these guys. Right? Yeah. Wait, these two guys? You? Me? Okay. <laughs> when they come for you, I'll say, huh? I, "That's not me." Um, it was also one of those things I saw. So you know, you know, uh, everyone else probably knows that I'm a big Michigan fan, Michigan football fan. Uh, Michigan's uh, head football coach Jim Harbaugh was j- made made headlines because he had a, uh, a very pro life stance. And people are now dragging him through the mud and giving him a hard time. And these are the same people who, when he was actually out protesting with Black Lives Matter, uh, he was hailed to be a hero. (laughs) And again, just going to show that uh, if you're not for them, you're actually against them. If you're not for the narrative, no matter how ridiculous that the narrative is, you are against them. And so, oops, I just got a text message from someone. That's right, yeah. No, this isn't a live show. No, not Joe Biden, not Kamala Harris, who also said that if uh, if you are pro-choice, it doesn't mean that you have to abandon Christianity, which I couldn't disagree with more. And mentioned AOC and whatever name to leave, oh, the pretending f- to be handcuffed the for the cameras. Handcuffs? Yes. Oh These are God. your leaders, everyone. Let's give them a hand. Pretending to be handcuffed for, for being at the Supreme Court uh, protesting. Was it a pro- Was it a... They were blocking traffic, That's and what it was. the police rules are three times warning, four time arrest. So they they obviously were provoking an arrest because that's the only reason to be there. 
and had obviously orchestrated how they were going to pretend to have handcuffs if they didn't handcuff them because, you know, optics are everything. Right. So, speaking of optics, uh, Nick, we are optically looking at you, and you are leaving, and it is optically not good for us. So... (laughs) We wanted. What do you say? Bad. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know how to transition on that. I, I just. I just don't. And so that concludes. How about this? Confession and absolution. Confess it's wrong to leave me. <laughs> okay, him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have anything to confess about. That's fine. Not yet. Not yet. Yes. Uh, no. I, what I was gonna say. Next week, when you say darn, not you won't say darn. Darn, why did he leave me? Look at I got to do all the things I have to do now because he left us. But that's next week. That's okay. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge. And question. Sure. So I, I warned you. Here's the question. What are the experiences that you have had here in the last year that you wouldn't even attempt to explain to a seminary professor? Oh. Don't groan like you didn't hear the question no, before. I I, I've been thinking. <laughs> I, it's a hard one. That I wouldn't even attempt to explain. Is that what you said? Okay. I think, no, uh park is probably incomprehensible to the normal Lutheran. Right, right. How we literally just went out to the local park where the homeless and the drug addicts hung out and just started. Where they were like they were? Right, Oh my exactly. God. And we just started having church there and eventually have, got... Can you have church with sinners? And then eventually we even had communion with them. Oh, don't say that. Oh, I know. That's why I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about it. But that's something that they couldn't imagine, I don't think. Because after all, communion is for the healthy, not for the sick. Right, right, right. It's also only to be done in the sanctuary. And they haven't memorized the catechism word for word yet. so they can't. Right, Which neither of any of these other pastors that say that. Exactly. But um, yeah, that would probably be a big one. Um, I would just say also, in addition to that, just the whole idea. I mean, after... Um, experiencing what drug addiction is like. I didn't have really an idea of what it was like before coming down there. I think a lot of people don't know what it's like in general or what it looks like. And I think it's hard to explain um, to people what it looks like, especially within a church context. How would, how would you, if someone, you go back to seminary and you tell people about your, your, your addict, the addiction experience with people here, how would you, how would you describe that to people at, the seminary with people who may not really, who may have very well have had a, have an understanding of it that you had coming into this. Right. Well, I think a lot of, if you don't have an experience with drug addiction, it's really easy to say, well, why can't they just stop? But the fact that it changes their brain and it's like, it's almost like they, they can't help but try, you know, like... They're, they're trying to get their next fix no matter what. They can't help but lie to you to get... Um, While they're injecting their arm, they're right. thinking about where am I going to get the next one. Right, right. And this addiction has taken a hold of them so bad that it really controls their whole lives um, in a way that's I personally don't understand. I don't have anything like that. Going on. Sure you do. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say to you, you're addicted to oxygen. Just stop breathing. Right. Because it's like that. It's like that, yeah. And so... 60 seconds later, you're gasping for breath. Yeah. Yeah. You can't not do it. And you can't not do it, and you can't not try and get your next fix. Oh, you can say all the right words, though. Right. Oh, I'm... That's I'm, true. 
My favorite is I need one more hit before I go into rehab. How many times have we heard that? Uh, oh, more than I like. I can't go into rehab. Say. I got to go into rehab high. Well, okay. Cause they, yeah, because they don't want to go in sick. They don't want to go in coming down from a high. You want to go in on a high so that you can come out on a high, on a different high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people at seminary would not be able to, to understand that concept. No, I think there's, I think there's a lot of generically. Again, I know that this isn't. We had a nice conversation at lunch today about uh, painting with a wide brush, right? I, I don't, I don't think that it's across across the board. It's not like this, but I think the the overall view of people towards the folks that sit on the side of the road, the folks that are begging, the folks that are asking for $3 at the gas station. Um, the, the general the general feeling is get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. Um, like you said, get, get a job, uh, get a, just stop. Like you're, don't you realize that you're just a leech on, on society? You know, our government programs are in place because of people like you are, you know, things like that. And it's just, it's such a, it's such an unhealthy way of viewing people like that. And I'm very guilty of, of this. And especially, you know, it's like on a, on a day when you get down there at family of God and, and you're, you, you see a lot of folks that are like that. Again, not all of them are like that. Many of them are not like that. But those that are there, you kind of, you have a lot of compassion for the first couple of people that come through the door. And then you're like, okay, here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. To the point where you're just like, I, I don't want to see that other person. Pastor Hill, you've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, you probably vouch for that too. Maybe, maybe I'm more guilty of, I look at him and say, yeah, I've seen this type before. You're like type 1A. Right. You're the violent addict. And there's the other sneak thief addict. And there's the, I, I'm going to pretend I don't really do any crime addict. But of course they do, just being an addict. Right. Yeah, so... It's hard to uh, to convey in the seminary or out how helpless and hopeless these people are once they're fully caught up in the net. How do you tell the twins to stop drinking? Right. You can't. I mean, I can tell them till my blue in the face, but I can, they're not capable I can yell of it. At them. <laughs> like I've done. Yeah, and then. Doctors will say at a certain stage, you just can't tell them to stop drinking because they'll kill them. It'll actually, yeah, yeah, it will actually physically kill yeah. them. And we were talking about Bruce. We were talking about Bruce today at lunch, yes, and it's, before lunch. Yeah, I would not explain that to your seminary professors. So who was Bruce as we, you didn't meet him? You said I, I had not met him before, but you from what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, you would know if you did. He was a man who would often come to church in either a dress or a skirt with nothing underneath, as you said. <laughs> right. Yeah, he didn't sit like a lady. He sat like a man, which is what the problem was, is, is yeah, with right. no underwear. I can't imagine any of the seminary professors having someone like that walking to their church. I don't know what they or the classroom. Do. Or at church like this, where we're at Christ like our Savior. Too. What do right. you do with that? Or on the classroom or anything right. like and that. That's not to, and that's not to say that our church is better because we do that. It's just, it's not, it just doesn't happen here, is what, I, is what we're saying. It's so uncommon that you wouldn't even know what to do. And it's fairly uncommon still for us, too. I mean, I, I mean we battled how to deal with that what do, what do we do do we allow him to sit at a table with women what do, how do you do that certainly not letting him go into the women's bathroom right but but not he got know, ex 
after special care and watch is what he got. But yeah, yeah. and you know, and actually given a, getting to talk with him, I did have having many conversations with him. He's a very nice guy. He's very intelligent. He's just mentally ill. That's all, and uh, and that's tough. But yeah, that's one, probably one thing that you probably don't really see or know or learn how to put up with at the seminary. So for us, it was just oh, there's another flavor of weird. Right, <laughs> right. To be blunt, right. <laughs> okay, that's different, but not really all that different. <laughs> right, well. right. Um, my question for Nick is: What do you think is the most uh, the most profound thing that you have learned in your time here? I'm not going to say from me or from Pastor Jim or from Pastor Tim or anyone else that you've interacted with. It can certainly be that, but I, I guess I'm more con- concerned. The question that I want to, I guess what I want to know is just what has been most impactful to you? You talk about the drug addiction that you wouldn't really mm-hmm. share with the SEM profs or anything like that, but I guess for you personally, what's been the most the most uh, impactful thing that you've learned or experienced? Yeah. Something that just something that just kind of sticks with you. Hmm. That's a hard. There's a lot. There's a lot of answers to that. I'm trying to think of the most. Don't put ketchup, Don't put ketchup on hot dogs. <laughs> uh, I think one of the most profound things that I've learned is just how much it means to be there every day with the people, eating with them, sitting with them, talking with them. Because you don't get that in a normal church. Um, you don't usually sit there with your congregation six days or five days a week talking to them and sharing meals with them. But how much that impacts everything else that we do, I would have never never imagined, I would say. Um, it, it's crucial, I think. Um, and also just the relationships it builds uh, with, with the people and how close you become with a lot of the people. So I think that's really... Burden. What's the Which burden? Which comes with a really yes. See, it comes with burden and sometimes joy as well. But once you get that close to your people, all of their burdens you start to feel. Yeah, they become your burdens. And too. then, especially when there's nothing you can do to help, yeah. except just sit there with them, and it sucks because <laughs> you want to help, but sometimes you just can't. You just can't fix it. You can't yeah. fix it. And yeah, that's, a, that's a struggle. Yeah, you saw that on full display uh, last week. Right? Yep. You want to talk about that for a second? Like what was, the family? Like, what, yeah, like what was going through your mind when when you were taking that family across the street to the gas station? Yeah, there was a family, and clearly the mother was using. I'm not sure about the father, but clearly they were addicted, and they were trying to get get money from us. And we, we had helped them before. We had got burned. Um and what really, really sucks is that they had four kids. And during Bible study, I, Sophie and I took them aside. And we kind of did a, just a kid's thing to get them away from the adult Bible study. Um, and, like, they were normal kids that would thrive in a normal situation. And the fact that they are stuck in that situation at home and where they live, it just it sucks. You want to be able to take those kids out of that situation and put them somewhere else, but you can't. Not legally. Not legally right? But I guess just to add it, the kids presented themselves as normal, right? Definitely, yeah. Um, right. 
when it's impossible for them to be normal given the environment. And so, yeah, it's heartbreaking. That's, that's another thing I've learned. It just, it sucks. I feel for the kids in that neighborhood. I really do. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, I've been down there certainly. Pesher Hill's been down there for 20 years. I've been down there for almost nine. And uh, I think it's not, I've been battling with this for a while. Like, okay, so how, like, is it okay to feel, like, is it okay to be upset that you can't do anything? And and I think it is, it certainly is okay to feel upset that you can't do anything. It's, you know, you've exhausted a lot of options. You've, exa- you've, you've done things that other churches I know wouldn't do, other organizations I know wouldn't do. And yet you're still, you feel like you've maybe have gone two steps, like with this, like with this family, you know, we thought together, all three of us, when we came up with a solution, this is great. This is going to be, this is going to be one of our success stories. Yeah, they were going to Tennessee. Yeah, this is going to be one of our success stories. And then, you know, I, I get up to my mom and dad's place and I have a text message from the mom that says all of our gas cars got stolen and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just, I literally, I really, literally, my eyes rolled into the back of my head and I said out loud, away from everyone else, I said, of course, of course this happened because it couldn't have happened any, any other way. And, and so we, they, they come back and, and it was just so obvious to us when they were here with us and talking with us and, and kind of the, the major red flag for me was, when we said, okay, you know, to the mom, okay, we're ready to talk to you. All three of us were ready. We were here. We were braced. I even said that, you know, we should probably brace ourselves for this ask. And we said, okay, we're ready for you. And she said, nope, I'm not ready yet. I need all the kids here. And, and to me in the past, and Pastor Hill, you've said this, that families learn how to use their kids. They use how to use their kids to their advantage. They learn how to use. One could kids. say they weaponize their kids. Yeah, absolutely, and they and they know they know exactly that their kids present themselves as, you know, as innocent, as oblivious, as smart, as, you know, there's no way that these kids could be involved in anything like that, and really, it's perfect because I really, with all of my, especially the two younger ones, they have no idea what's going on. They were fairly well behaved, and they were so stinking cute. And then the two older girls, they're intelligent. They, they're they very much aware of, like, the situation and all that. They actually wanted to know more about Jesus. And they, right, yeah. yes. And so I, I, it's one of those things where you just kind of say, okay, uh, I actually, I told Brandy, I said I, I said, I really think that they're oblivious. They don't know what their mom and dad are up to. And so they're just like, oh, mom and dad called me over here because that's what they do because they're good kids and they listen to their their parents. They have no idea what they're being used for. Meanwhile, mom can't even stand up because she's so high and dad's limping around the church putting on this huge act trying to get us to do something. I'm just like... It just it sucks, and that's, that, there's not a there's not another word for it. It sucks. It broke my heart when they were leaving. I was taking the gas station, and the two girls, the two older ones, were like asking about it. And Sophie and I were like, "Yeah, we do this, you know, six days a week." And they're like, "Oh, can we come back?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely," knowing that they're not going to. They be probably back wouldn't be back, right? Because need be, help. Yeah, even because, though the kids are have a craving to come back right. and learn. Yeah, and it sucks. Yeah, mom and dad didn't get what they wanted, so they're not going to come back. So, put you on the spot. 
Can I say one more thing? No. <laughs> Go ahead, say it. I said with with the burdens and the suffering we also have to deal with, like I said before, there's also times of joy. I think all three of us would agree that with Juan and Sophie's their 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 faith being built up, it's been very joyful for us to watch that as well. So it's not all bad. <laughs> Seeing where they've yeah. well in that in and that just situation, people in general, yeah, in that situation in particular, though, I mean, you said that Sophie was actually helping you a lot with these two girls and was talking and was engaging and was right, like, you know. So that's and she's been helping with going and taking meals out, and she helped yeah. us at the park church, and it's almost like she, yeah, you can see her faith growing. Yeah, you said trans, you said translating, actually yeah. translating, actually speaking the gospel to people, right? True, but she is major league at risk. Yes, because any girl her age in that neighborhood is, is at is risk. Is at risk. Yeah. Right. Yep. So on the spot. So you said, and I feel the way this way too. Powerless. Is that theologically true? I'm at the end of my strength. I can get there. Been there lots of times, but am I truly powerless? I would. Sometimes say... my power comes from being at the end of my strength. Mm. This is a great question. Because why? Because it makes you rely on Christ. I have nothing else to do but rely on Christ. I can't do anything else but, well, I can throw up my arms and walk away, or I can... I'd say, yeah, in your own strength, you definitely can be powerless, but with Christ. There's always his strength when we call upon it, and we have to rely on it. Paul, I mean, Paul's very clear, right? He says, when I'm weak, he is strong. I, Mm -hmm. I boast in nothing but in Christ Jesus. And so... I mean, yeah, that, that get, I always think of um, there was there's a, a young lady who used to used to work with us. And one of the, the things I remember when she was working with us, she said to us that, you know, she was in a situation one time where she was out on a run and she just stopped and she just started screaming like at God, like, I need you to help me. And so it was just one of those things where, and then she, like, as she was reflecting, she's like, I think that's the position that, that God wants us to be in. To the, where we're so to the point where, you know, we understand that apart from Christ, we are absolutely nothing. And so we call out to him. There's nothing. That's the really right part. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so we get to that point where we're calling out to him because we have nothing because we are nothing and we have no strength left. And I think that's that's the situation that God desires for all of his children to be in. And that's when he works. He he God's got a history throughout the Bible of of working something into or working nothing into something. And and you I think that that's I think that's that's a you are powerless but at the same time you're not powerless because it's not your power to begin with anyway. So I am just evangelical enough, depart from Lutheranism, to say I'm willing to pray to God and say, I claim these children for you. I don't know how you're going to do it, and I know I may not be there when it happens, but I claim them for you. And then I surrender because yeah. I can't do anything else, right? Yeah, and that's that's one thing that, that we— for an idea, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is either. I, I do it. I I do that, and uh, you know, knowing that I will never. Maybe they'll walk back in five years and tell us how they came to faith or what that one session with you meant. I don't know, but it really doesn't matter. 
Yeah. As long as the Lord as long as the Lord says yes, yeah, yeah. these are mine. Yeah, well, I we, died for them. And we've seen that a couple of days. You've seen that in your time here. You've yeah. seen that. You've seen people come back with this. Hey, hey, Pastor Jim. When I was in prison, I remember. I remember what you said to me. I remember what you said to this person. I usually don't remember what they right. said, but yes. <laughs> right. yes. But they remember, and then they come back, and they. So those are the those are the beautiful things that that happen. Those are the beautiful things that we get to see, and you know, it's just it really makes being a part of this ministry really something special. And by the grace of God, Nick, you got to be a part of that, and I think that we're all really excited that. Uh, we're all excited for what God's going to do with you. We're in charge of cleaning carpets and <laughs> right. all or the other COVID stuff. Carpets. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to do something worthwhile. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, that that's probably how you. I assume that's how you feel. That that this wasn't this wasn't worth this wasn't a waste of time. Right, right. For me to say, um, pretty fair. I think maybe I wouldn't be married right now if I hadn't had a vicarage here. <laughs> that's if true. I had a vicarage that's, somewhere else. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, because of being back here, I am now married. So that's a it's <laughs> a big thing that happened on vicarage. Well, that sounds terrible. Let's rephrase that. You had the opportunity to propose, and yes. no shotgun involved, right? You, Correct. Okay. <laughs> Correct. All right. Yeah. Oh, what was the, oh, you asked if I was looking forward to anything going back, right? Um, Fishing in the big lake. Yeah, the lake on campus is stocked full of big bass, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, of course. <laughs> if you don't live on campus, can you still fish there? You can, as long as you're a student, which is uh, nice because they're not the outdoorsy type, so there's plenty of fish for me to catch. <laughs> so what do you do? You just um, flash your card and say, yes, I'm a student here. I'm allowed to be here? Pretty much. Okay. Almost every time I went fishing, the security came that's out. That's too funny. Yeah, um, I am looking. There's two of my friends that are going to be back there. I'm looking forward to seeing them, um, kind of. Oh, you're trading us in. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> two for two, okay. Two two. That's okay. Uh, they could not do what you guys do, that's for sure. <laughs> um, what was their vicarage like? Yeah, That's a good question. I think one of them was in Kansas or Nebraska. The other one was in... Rural Indiana, I think. So probably a lot different. Um, well, be Alex, I'll be I'll be with Alex. At least I'll have someone there who knows what family of God is like. So he knows be. he knows that ministry is not confined to your desk in a library. Yes. Yeah, so yes. it'll be nice to have at least him there. That's that's like minded in that sense. Yeah. Um, there's a couple professors that I, I'll probably enjoy having. But not most of them. You know, I'll bet you that your uh, relationship with Dr. Wiley takes a step takes a step forward this year. Yeah, I think it will. I do have class with him as well, so I feel. Like oh, he, do you? Yeah, oh, cool. I got I got a class with him, um, so I think he's gonna be calling on me a lot in that class. <laughs> That's is that a missiology class? Um, ministry in a pluralistic context is what it is. So I think uh, so. I don't know. Pluralistic context. What is a pluralistic context? Do you know? Other than family of God, that's a <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I think it's like, yeah, I don't even know what it is. Every different culture, every different economic, every different racial, every everything different in one place. That's gotcha. pluralistic. Yeah. So I'll probably have some good uh, insight for that class. Maybe you should be careful what you say, but okay. I will yeah. be. <laughs>
Yeah, because we have pictures That's to show right. them. Oh gosh, you're going right. to blackmail me. We are we are holding on to our... We a blackmail because that's racist. <laughs> we are holding on Mail to... Mail is also sexist. <laughs> We're holding on to our picture of Nick smiling while he reads a Joyce Meyer book. We'll make sure we oh, get Oh, that was choice. Sometimes yes. you need to read some good heresy. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Nick, we are... Uh, we are excited for you. Uh, well, maybe not for the next nine months, but we are certainly excited for uh, the potential of what God's going to be doing through you. Thank you for all the work that you've done for us, uh, for being a good friend, and for uh, just honestly bringing a little bit of a little bit more joy into a place that can often be uh, very, very dark and very, very difficult. So yeah. you're, I think I speak for both of us when I say that your presence yes. will be missed. Church council. Well, yeah, we, Dark and difficult. Yeah, we, yeah. What do you do when you find out your church council president cares more about tomatoes than people? Oh. Don't answer that. Jeez, that was a I, life experience. Did we say, uh, did we say, plead the fifth on that one. Yes. Yeah, we had to make sure. <laughs> we said we can't open up the lot for the uh, for the parking lot for this coming for this coming week because. Uh, heaven forbid that the tomato plants get, get bumped. Yes. Moved. Oh my goodness. Anyway, all right. Do we have anything oh. else? We're at forty minutes. Do you want to dive into, or you want to hold off this and ask Nick a couple more questions? You have him for another twenty minutes. I have him till eleven fifty-nine. We haven't. Tonight. No, that's true. And I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn about worship in this oh. different context? Good question. Both at St. Stephen, mm-hmm. where you did a lot, and at Family God, where it's quite different, and at the park, where it's even more different, different. Yeah. So, I'm glad you asked that. Um, <laughs> He's holding his forehead going, oh, what am I going to say? <laughs> I no, can't no. believe he asked me this question. So, I grew up in a very, very traditional Lutheran church. We always use the hymnal, hymns, what are screens in church, you know. <laughs> That kind of that kind of church. Ah, the way they worshipped in the wilderness. That's right, exactly. Just like the tabernacle. Yes. Anyway, um, I always knew, like theoretically, that you know worship was uh, the, your style of worship depended on your context. But I never really had the opportunity to experience those different contexts. And so when I did go to Family of God. Um, the context there, it was definitely different than what I was used to growing up to. You know, songs were different. Um, I mean, it was still nice to see the liturgical backbone, even though it was, you know, slightly different words just to make it more accessible to people. Check there. Mm-hmm. Got to say Bonhoeffer sometime in this. I can't say Bonhoeffer. Your church is Bonhoeffer. what Bonhoeffer called bourgeois worship. Bourgeois, bourgeois worship. Comfortable worship for comfortable people yeah. with comfortable sermons so they could live their comfortable lives. Anyway, yeah, sorry. We call that the, we call it the confessional church. You're not wrong. Anyway, you didn't hear that. Um, okay, how many times was I wrong in the last church? <laughs> don't answer that either. And then you get to then I got to experience the park church, which was even um, more different. Again, though, we still had that liturgical backbone because I, I I do think that's very important in a worship service. Uh, we still you know Lord's prayer, creed, confession, absolution. Those are the staples that you need. Um, but again, even more simplified music, um, very shortened liturgy. The sermons were a lot different. Um, 
but like that's what that's what that context needs. But then also on Vicarage, I had the opportunity to go to other churches, and specifically St. Stephen a lot, which is more of your typical um, Lutheran church, hymns, liturgy, for, straight from the hymnal. Of your Vicarage, Historic Trinity. I did get to preach <laughs> at Historic right. Trinity. That you was terrifying. What? I preached here. I preached here at Christ our Savior. This is a big church. I was Saint, able to do... Uh, St. Paul, Royal Oak, and Pontiac. St. Right? Paul, Royal Oak, St. Paul, Pontiac, yep. Yeah. Um, I got to do a service. Marketing him. Uh, all over the place, uh, yep. yeah. Yep. Now we were giving you uh, a range of experiences. Yeah, and it was, and there was even a couple churches I went to where I didn't preach, such as Shepherd's Gate or was the one went to Downriver St. Paul, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and so it's been very helpful to see the, the different contexts in which the church is and how to um, appropriately conduct worship there that would is accessible to the people because if I started just bringing down the hymnal and singing hymns in the park it would not go well <laughs> we give you a parallel and see what you can do with this so mm -hmm. there you are at your church st. Peter's when they do church at the school at st. Peter's you shift the worship to the capability of the audience to absorb it right Correct. How is that different? Is it different than shifting the worship style to the park to meet the people at the level that they are able to be met at? It's the idea is not different. You are making it accessible to the people, and we just had a Bible study on worship and singing and stuff like that. And a key component to that is that it's accessible to the people. They understand that they can participate. I don't know what Lord God of Sabaoth was here. <laughs> Lutherans who are 60, 70 years old don't yeah, know. I'll bet, you, I'll bet you, though, that a lot of people, even people that probably listen to this podcast, oh, don't. don't even know and what Sabaoth is. My, but my favorite, you kind of did it today. What does salutary mean again? You say it every blasted Sunday. Mm -hmm. Haven't you ever asked what salutary yeah. means? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that mean for our salvation? I mean, yes, but Ooh. also but also good health. It's where it literally says salutary, and we blow by it because we don't know what it is, but we don't want to ask the question Yes, because we'll look stupid. Yep. yep. Who's your favorite church to preach at? Ooh. There is an answer. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just teasing. There's not. Who paid you? The one, yeah, the one who paid you the most. <laughs> no, that's fine. Did you, did, I, you go to, did you go to St. Paul Trenton when, we're, when I went there last year? That's when I was down river, right? Yeah. We, yeah. We all three of us went, and I remember helping with the play. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. SPF right. 5000. Yeah, that's right. Play. That's right. That's, a, oh. that's an internal joke. We won't explain that to you. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. yeah. If you want to have us come over and perform this play, it's about uh, six, seven minutes long. Yeah. I do, I do really enjoy preaching in the park, though, because when there's only about four to six people that you know really well that are coming, um, it actually allows for a little bit of interaction within the mm. sermon. I, th I find that a lot of fun. Yeah, I've, I've always, I've always loved that about Family of God. Um, with you know, we've, I, how many, how many people would you say were coming to worship pre, pre COVID? Sixty ish. Maybe sixty was 60 a good number. Sixty was a good number. Um, so with the, with these smaller congregations, I mean, you get to, and when you talk, you're talking about Family of God with like relationships and stuff like that. I think that it's. Uh, 
it's a really good thing for us to get to know people because then when you get into the pulpit or you get behind the lectern or you get in front of the congregation, however you, you are, if you are, if you are, if you're a member of a smaller congregation and your pastor knows all of the, of the people, he can almost tailor a sermon to you. And so I remember specifically one, just not, actually not too long ago, we were talking about something related to seeking seeking Jesus in the midst of hurting and how Jesus comes to us in the midst of hurting. And I knew from a conversation literally from like two or three days ago that there was a person sitting, literally it was, he was four pews up on the right-hand side and about three people in on the right. And when I got to that part where we were talking about how Jesus comes and draws near to those who are hurting and those who are brokenhearted, Right, I, I looked right at him because I knew that he desperately needed to hear that, and you can kind of see him kind of nodding and like, yes, like I'm hearing, I'm listening to you, Pastor. Those are those are the those. Are, that's one of the few things that I think that I actually prefer about a smaller congregation than a bigger congregation. Big congregations have have their you know their pros and their cons. One of the pros of, I think, having a smaller con- congregation is that you can actually have sermons that are tailored to people that you know, and you can actually speak a little more directly to those. Would so you let, agree with that, Pastor? Yeah, let me say that differently. So if you're preaching here at Christ our Savior, everybody out there is pretending. Is that pretending they're getting it. You don't know. Yeah. You go to Family of God, and, okay, there's 30 people, and you're looking at them. You know when they're not getting it. Yeah. They'll and tell you. You'll too. stop. <laughs> I have stopped many times. I come around, circled around, and tried it again a different direction until they got it yeah. uh, because they're not very good at pretending. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So. I've, I've often said you could preach the same sermon at Family of God every single Sunday and it'd be okay. And people would go, wow, <laughs> that's brilliant, Pastor. Right? It's. It's why I also like the fact that Nick, you got to you got to preach at Family of God, you got to preach at the, at Clark Park, you got to preach at Saint Stephen, you got to preach at Christ the Savior, you got to preach at Historic Trinity, you got to preach at the Saint Pauls, you got to preach at a variety of different congregations, which actually call for dramatically different styles of preaching. And so, you know, a, a sermon at the park is going to be very simplistic, which. Honestly, people at Christ the Savior probably need to hear a simplistic sermon. That's why one of the sermon that you listened here, someone said, "Oh, it was a very meat and potatoes sermon. Like it was just very simple." And my reaction was, "Well, I think that's a good thing." And and her response to me was, "It was a great thing because you know we often hear, and that's not to, that's not to um, throw shade at their preachers, but just so often I think the preacher gets so into." Well, how can I present this in a in a in a nice you know uh, you know decorate the plate a little bit before I put it on the table? And really, people don't want the garnish; they want the meat and they want the potatoes. And I think that sometimes we as preachers forget that. So, what did you learn about teaching in the last say, year? I thought you were going to say teen. Uh, well, that too, but no teaching. <laughs> teaching, good, good, good. Well, is it fair to say everything? <laughs> <laughs> no. Everything I've learned Wait about teaching, count. I learned here. But saying I wasn't prepared for what it would actually take to. Yeah, um, that's one of my complaints about the seminary is they never taught us how to teach. They taught us what to teach, but not how to teach it. And so I, when I first started, I had uh, I was not good at it. <laughs> it's a big learning curve, um, and so 
going on going just 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 by experience teaching more and more i learned pretty much a lot of what i know now and with correction from you and pastor tyler i learned pretty much what you heard today at, at your last class the class is telling you what they are that you have been connecting with them mm, yeah you started out by not connecting, not connecting. With them. right right <laughs> yeah i'm i'm the teacher just sit there and be quiet like you're like a third grade teacher or something but right Lots of interaction and lots of questions are crucial for good teaching. To fight for with them, I had to fight with them because they've been taught, don't say a word. Yeah. That senior Bible class was shut up, sit down, the pastor will tell you everything you need to know, and then he'll walk out the door. Yeah, for right. years. That's what they learned, for, for years. years they did that. And so they were shocked when they, you know, when they asked for like a pin. What would you like to learn next? Well, pastor never asked us what we were going to learn next. He just told us. I said, oh, well, we're going to be different for a while. Yeah, yeah. So because I think that that's a pastor's job. I mean, you got to know your people. Yeah, you got to know what they want, and in order to know what they want, you got to ask them what they want, and they got to be willing to tell you what they want or what they want to hear. What they don't know what learn. to te- you don't know what to teach them unless you know what they know. Right. We can easily assume they know this, this, and this, and find out. <laughs> no, they right. don't. Well, you can you can assume that they know what the sanctus is, and then you find out, and they go, "What?" I mean, yeah. I was looking or what as justification is <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, with the with the sanctus today, you brought it up, and and I just I added the point of just stop and and realize that when you sing the sanctus, you're you're singing it not just because you said, well, we're singing with the angels and the whole company of heaven. Well, what's the company of heaven? Mm-hmm. Well, those who have gone in faith, right? Those who have died in Christ, those who are with Him now, they are singing this. And I'm like, it's it's also, I mean, it's it's Peter, it's John, it's James, right? It's it's all it's the thief on the cross. It's all of these guys. And it's also your great 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 grandchildren. It's all people. They're singing the Sanctus and we're joining them. Sure. It's not that we're singing yeah. it and they're joining us. Yes. Because they're in heaven. They're in heaven. Yes. Singing it all the time. We just point. get to yep. get to be part of it during yeah. our worship. Service. Yeah, we kinda get a, you kinda get a it's kinda like the clouds open, you get a glimpse of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. You get a glimpse of, of what is happening there. And they were I was looking at some of the faces and they were like this. Like, wow, what did you really just say? Like, is that really what's happening? And yes, I don't understand it, but I believe it because mm-hmm. God sort of says so. It's like, holy smokes, that's what's happening. I can't imagine what that's like, but it's a little bit like, oh, 1995, when the Promise Keepers were at the Silver Dome, which isn't there anymore, 64,000 male voices sang, holy, 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 and it just swept you away. Mm -hmm. It just, if it's, it was like, oh man, I hear that and imagine what that will be, heaven will be like, when <laughs> yeah. millions are singing that. Yeah. I mean, let me put it another, another way. This is for you who can't sing. But I, <laughs> I am going to tell Hillebrand to get a hold of you. You could sing in that environment. You can sing at the top of your lungs, and you can't hear yourself because mm-hmm. yeah. there's 63,999 other voices. Oh. If it's three guys singing holy, 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 you can hear yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 64,000, you just... You're not there. You're just part of this great yeah. voice. Yeah. So clearly the best part of your vicarage though was recording this podcast.
Yep. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. You've said some things that you can't take back. You've said some things that will be in the on the internet until the day that you die. Or we're canceled. Unless when you're canceled. in the re-education camp in about 10 years, they're <laughs> going to be right. playing this back to you. Like, you said that Black Lives Matter don't actually matter. How dare you? I say it's a fraud to get lots of money for people who are the elites of Black well, Lives of Matter. Of course, yes. But that's prison time. It's also racist. How dare you? I don't. All right. Anything else? We are approaching time. Nick, do you have any other closing comments you want to share with listeners? Oh, that's not enough. Oh. What do you wish you could have done in your vicarage that you didn't get to do? Another great answer. Or question, but we'll (laughs) wait for the greatness of the answer. (laughs) Make seating charts now. (laughs) No. um. What was lacking? We can do that. I mean. I don't know if I'll ever get another vicar or you'll get a vicar, but it would be nice to know if we were lacking in something. What? could have made it uh, a more complete experience other than marrying you. No, we didn't marry you. We, we didn't marry you. Pauline yeah. married you. Yeah, we just did the ceremony. We signed the sheet. I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get to do a baptism, but hey. Maybe next time. Maybe later. <laughs> no, um, I didn't. I did not get to do a hospital visit. So, granted, a lot of our People Thanks, COVID. Probably don't. Yeah, the COVID was definitely a big issue with that. You sometimes weren't even allowed in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of uh, unfortunate. And I mean, it's not like our people are really going into the nursing homes either for those. Wish types of- is granted. Find out where John is. You're going right after this. Uh, you gonna say no? You just said that's what was lacking. <laughs> that's what he wanted. I, true. One of our deacons is in the hospital right now, so. Yeah, we could send you to. He's probably in Monroe. Wow, or you, or I have just, never seen just, such reluctance on a face. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just wait till the next time that he's in the hospital. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Unbelievable, <laughs> dear seminary candidate was unwilling to go to the hospital. <laughs> Kill him for another year. <laughs> right. We need Failed basic <laughs> training. Oh my goodness. All right. Well. We didn't get to Psalm 85 today. Pastor Hill and I will certainly be doing that next next week. Uh, we're going to be talking Is about... It though? What? We can tease it just a Yeah, you want to talk about it real quick? Because the heart of this next reading is really um, the role of pacifism in the church. Should Christians be pacifists, nonviolent pacifists, never, never being part of the defense of their country or the defense of their families or... Um, which is, and 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 count on Christ to bring peace to the nations through us because we're all going to be glorious pacifists, which mm-hmm. is kind of the heart of what Bonhoeffer is saying here. Yeah. I hardly ever disagree with him, but I shake my head at this part. But. Yeah, a little bit. So we'll dive into that next time. Yeah. Maybe we can. I was going to ask you this. Uh, maybe we can get Pastor Eden to to fill in oh, for, uh, for Mr. Nick. He's probably got lots to say about that. So. To be more clear on Bonhoeffer, he has no problem with us putting on uniforms and uh, being um, medics like, uh, oh gosh, what's that movie? Desmond Axar. Doss. The Desmond, yeah. Desmond Doss. That's an appropriate role for a Christian in the military, but nothing that has to do with uh, bringing violence upon mm-hmm. anyone else mm-hmm. is appropriate. In fact, it's a sin. Yeah. So we'll get to all that next week. Psalm number 85. So if you want to read it. and kind of Veterans out there, forward. repent.
<laughs> right. So we'll get out to all that. Thank you for tuning in today. Nick, always a pleasure. We will uh, – did you just break my microphone? Or you just pulled it off? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> my goodness. It's going to be a long afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. So if, make sure you go to our website. You can check out all kinds of good stuff over there. Uh, make sure – if you haven't yet, uh, I know this podcast kind of gave you a good uh, feel for – Vicar Nick's reflections and kind of where he, kind of where he's grown and how he feels about his vicarage and uh, the excitement of potentially coming back. But if you haven't yet had a chance, yet, you can go to the our Facebook page or our website, and you can find a, a video interview that our district did with him, kind of highlighting those uh, those things. And it's a really good video. It's very exciting. What? He was less honest in the video. Pastor Jim says I think he was fairly honest. So go do that uh thank you all for supporting the podcast continue to do so share it i think this is this is more of a fun episode and just kind of reflective so uh if you enjoy it share it uh if you want to if you have questions about us if you want us to talk about anything on the podcast you can reach out to us via our emails um but if that's all then we will chat at you later everyone have a great weekend have a great week we will talk with you all next week for a brand new episode take care if no one has told you yet god loves you and so do we